Public fitness is the story of human experience in a digital age. Public fitness tells a story for every body. The following story was written by me, Jimmy. Um, it's based on a blog post that I posted this morning uh, about lessons I've learned so far and why I'm starting the business that I'm starting. Seven years ago, if you would have asked me about my life at 29, I'll be 30 in July, I probably would have said with absolute arrogance, I will own a chain of health clubs that I founded and they are the best health clubs in the world. As we now know, the best way to make God laugh is to tell him your plans. Four days after graduation from Hanover, I began work. Nearly everything I have in my post-college life is a direct result of that job. Uh, my future wife, my dog, my old house, my little brother who I mentor, and my lifelong friendships and mentors. Seven years ago, before I took that job, I declined an internship offer at the number one gym in the country at the time because it was in San Diego and I had no money. At the time, that decision was the best decision I had made in my life. Uh, after four years at that health club and almost three years into a corporate fitness management role, I have learned some valuable lessons about life, about fitness, and about business. So. The company that I'm starting is a result of these lessons learned. The first thing I've learned is employee health and culture are the most important aspects of a business. You can have the nicest fitness center in town with the best professionals, but if the office space is hostile and the employees feel underpaid, your growth will cap below its potential. Two, the customer is not always right, but you should treat them like they are. There comes a time in, time in every small business where you have to make a change that will come with criticism and friction from your customer base. The key here is to really listen and to be transparent. Explain to them exactly how you came to this decision. Without customers, you have no business. Three, the customer knows what they want. Don't give them what you want. All too often I see fitness professionals refuse to listen to their clients feedback. If you think a client needs to lose 20 pounds but she or he only wants to work on strength, you have the professional obligation to prescribe them programs that address their wants. With that said, it may be appropriate at a later date to address your concerns as you begin to feel more comfortable with them, but you should always make them feel like their opinion is the only one that matters. Older adults don't like being called older adults. <clears throat> Obviously, I can't speak from experience here, but countless number of my former clients have mentioned this. That's something to keep in mind if you're in the fitness industry. Five, bashing your competition does not help. This is one thing I have had to personally work on. College grads, especially in the fitness industry, tend to be snobby because they feel threatened and insecure about non-graduates doing well. This is a weakness, and the public perceives it as a weakness. How do you feel when someone gossips about another person to you? I personally feel bad and the vibe is negative. That's how people feel when you talk bad about other local gyms, for example, and even about your former employer. Be positive and always try to be the bigger person. Six, make the payment process easier and less awkward. This is something I recently addressed in terms of payments. 
Um, my business is monthly membership that auto renews, and there are no pre- prepaid packages. There's no check, no cash. Seven, embrace technology, but don't go all in. Many fitness companies owned by anti-tech people are missing out. It's not magic, but you can't deny that business management software and cloud-based programs make a small business much, much easier to scale. Not only that, but the power of Facebook and LinkedIn for hyper-local marketing is undeniable. The other side of this coin is, of course, don't lose touch of reality and the value of human interaction. Shaking hands and grabbing a cup of coffee are still massively important. Eight, don't sleep on print and direct mail in this digital age. For a local business, direct mail can still be valuable if done the right way. For example, people know and trust a local publisher in my area. Uh, That publisher has graciously allowed me to write many articles for him. I can't tell you how many leads I've gotten from those articles. Nine, work-life balance for the most part does not exist if you own a successful business and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Thankfully this is something I learned at an earlier age as the son of small business owners. When you run a business not only are you married to the business but your family is too. Everyone has to be on board for this to work. If you and your family aren't willing to be all in either the business won't work or the family won't work. I have personally never seen an example of this not being true. Also, quote-unquote passive ownership is mostly a myth. I know people who own commercial buildings with full-time managers and they still lose sleep over the property even though that's not their full-time job. Anything that is worth having is usually hard to attain and sustain. 10. Trying to forecast your entire life is a recipe for anxiety. This is a dichotomy in that on one hand you definitely want to have a vision, but on the other hand you can't predict the future. When you make a 20 year plan, which is okay, you have to add a quote unquote life is crazy clause. That is, you have to be willing to eject from this plan at any moment if that is the right decision. If you get wrapped up in the plan and the plan doesn't go as planned, this can cause some anxiety. It may even cause some FOMO or fear of missing out. I have certainly experienced this. 11. Time is the most valuable thing you sell. As I plan and begin to market my business, the feeling I get from my clients is that this really saves them time. Beyond time in the day, you could also argue that physical fitness may add time to your life. 12. The outcome is more important than the service. This is something I need to do a better job of. Instead of saying, in my case for example, we offer concierge style personal training. I should be saying we, ha- we help people maximize their time and live healthier, happier lives. 13. Most people don't really care if you fail. Besides your mom and maybe your spouse, most people you interact with do not care if you fail. Furthermore, people don't like complainers. The only people who like to listen to complaining are people who like to complain themselves because misery loves company. 14. Don't burn bridges. When someone makes you mad, offends you, maybe quits your service, treat them with the same respect that you would want to be given. It's a small world and I have been surprised just how small the fitness industry really is. 15. Even though my clients are like family to me, 
I must keep it professional and know the line. This can be tough, especially if you have clients who think of you like a family member. I have heard some deeply personal things from my clients because they trust me. That doesn't give me the green light to share my opinion or experience, even though I also trust them. Keep it personal and professional. And 16, community engagement is paramount for long-term local success. Whether it's joining organizations, serving the underserved, going to church, or coaching sports, etc., I have been able to really make Indianapolis and the Geist area seem like small-town USA by engaging the community. Not only is this important for business and career, but is important for the heart. Thank you for listening to Public Fitness. Many stories of the human experience in a digital age. For more information about public fitness, visit publicfitness.org. A special thanks goes to Anchor for making this possible.